Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 2 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. Today, I am chatting with narrator Ruthie Bowles. Welcome, Ruthie. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk. We're constantly chatting in one capacity or another, whether voice notes or DMs and stuff like that on, on social media. So I'm like, I need to have her on the podcast so others can fall totally in love with her like I have. <laughs> oh, thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating and how you got started. Oh, every I feel like people really enjoy the story of how I got started just because it's like a lot of people's stories while at the same time leaving space for the fact that we all have different paths, you know, to this place. Um, But I have been narrating, my first audiobook came out in 2019, like towards the end, but I really count myself as having started as an audiobook narrator at the very beginning of 2022, um, because I had done that first book. And then, like I said, towards the end of 2019, and we know what happened in 2020, and my entire family was home, and I was just doing it as a side project. I was a marketing consultant at the time, and so I was like, okay, we'll just leave that, and you know, and 2021 rolls around, and kids start going back to school. I'm like, well, maybe I could pick this back up, and I made the mistake of going to read my own Audible reviews, and there was one really harsh uh from my perspective, right? Reviews are for readers and stuff. So my foolish self went and did it, right? So no, nothing against the the, the reviewer. But I read it and I was my heart broke and I was like, never mind. And so I just like, nope, no, we're not doing that again. Uh but 2022 rolls around and I'm like, man, I need to make some money. And I'm not making money anymore in the coaching and consulting space because I got really deep into like business coaching ethics and stuff. And uh, <laughs> ain't nobody want to talk about that. They're like, yes, yes, yes. But please don't ever look at me or talk to me about that. No. And so I got I got pretty disgusted with the industry as a whole. Um, and I was making this list of ways that I could make money and anything, anything was on the list. And I put some pretty questionable activities at the very bottom of the list because it was numbered from one to 50. So we won't get into those, but they were on the list, right? Like when you live in a capitalistic society, like you gotta make money. Hey, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I I feel (laughs) you. Right, and I was like, you know what? There was an audio book I narrated that one time, which I only narrated because I came across a blog post that was like 10 ways to get paid to read. And I was like, this is going to be trash, but I can't help but read it anyway. And narration was one of those things. And so that is how I got on ACX and made my profile. But it was it was 2022 where I was like, man, I I need to make money. I'm not making money doing this anymore. And I could make money, but I'd have to completely throw all of my morals and values in the trash. And I'm not willing to do that. So then I reached out to the author. I was like, hey, do you want me to do your second book in the series? And she's like, yes, do all the books. And so it's a seven book series, which I'm still making my way through. We've gotten book five out this year and uh, and I'll be doing the last two. And then I was like, okay. So I started auditioning for a few more things on ACX, but I was already on TikTok. I was already on TikTok and I was talking about business coaching and stuff like that. But then I started, but I had connected with some authors. So I actually got my first TikTok author uh, was Shane Rose. And uh, that was because I connected with that particular author before they had blown up and got big on TikTok. They were just some uh, uh, 
a, I guess you would call it like a pleasure account that I followed, right? Because it wasn't for business that I followed them. It was because I loved to read their books. And then she found out that I was narrating and was like, you narrate? Hey, I got something for you. And I was like, oh my gosh, really? So that was my very first author. Shane Rose was my very first TikTok author. And then uh, I had gotten a few more jobs off of ACX, but then growing my community on TikTok, I haven't had to audition on ACX or anything like that. And it's probably been like a year, maybe Mm -hmm. since the last time. And, you know, with us being almost at the fall, right? Technically, we're in the fall of 2023. So that's, I mean, that's kind of how things started. Like, I was just like, let me see, let's give this a go. And I think that was helpful because I hadn't put really any like limits on myself. It was just every step of the way. It was just, let's see, let's see. And then it was in May of 2022 when I, a friend of mine, Ali Dane, another narrator, had forwarded me a casting call from uh, John Marshall Media looking for an a Black or a Latina narrator for a YA fantasy. I was like, that checks all the boxes for me. This sounds good. So I reach out to them and they're like, yeah, so this is for Disney. And I was like, this is a scam. <laughs> literally reached out to another narrator friend of mine that I had made on TikTok who was, you know, had had more experience than me. And I was like, do you, have you worked for this company? And he's like, yeah. I was like, do you know this person right here? And he's like, yeah. I was like, this seems like a scam. Nobody, nobody's asking me to audition for a Disney book. That's silly. And so I, but I submit the audition and I'm like, I'm never going to hear back from that again. And then I get, I had gone out with my husband for lunch. It was like a Monday and he had the day off. It was like Columbus day or something. So the kids are in school and I get back to my inbox and I look, I see, I have an email from them. I'm like, okay, this is the thank you for auditioning email, right? Open it. It's the congratulations. You got the book email. I screamed. My husband expresses concern from the bathroom because he was using the bathroom. And then I'm like screaming. And that point that was pivotal for me because I was like, if I, get a Disney book, right? Disney YA, Fractured Paths by uh, Fractured Path by J.C. Cervantes. I'm like, maybe I should take this more seriously. Maybe this should not be like a part-time thing for me. Maybe I should look at making this a full-time thing for me. And that was that was pivotal too, because I was like, wow, John Marshall Media and I a Disney Hyperion book. I'm like, mind blown. And so I was like, okay. So I got a booth. I was like, okay, I'm not doing anymore with the business coaching and the consulting. I'm not doing brand consulting anymore. I shut down my podcast. I had had that podcast for like three years. So I was like, I'm done with that now. We're just going to kind of close all of that. And I'm going to dedicate my focus to this. And once that happened, uh, things just took off. And so that's how we got here. <laughs> yeah. It's always interesting sometimes when a lot of the narrators that I've spoken to have like, oh, this was like a side hustle at the beginning. And, and, and that's perfectly fine. But then you're also talking about that that article about how you can get rich by reading words. I'm like, no, 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 that's not how this works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, like I said, I was a marketing consultant. So I had written listicles, Yes. right? So I, I was already knew, I was like, some of this is going to be trash, but maybe there might be one good one. And I love to read. So like, how can I not, how can I not check this out? And that, yeah. yeah. So I was like, that list, but, and most of that stuff was trash, but yeah, that was a good I- one. Yeah, I always like to kind of see, okay, what are they, what, what are they adding to this thing now that maybe wasn't mm-hmm. there before? Yeah. Um, and, and then just laughing. It's always like, oh, do you want a good laugh here? Read this article. Because uh, mm-hmm. there's just so much more to it. Uh, so since you started, what else have you done aside from making it like, yes, this is going to be my full-time gig now and focusing on that. What else have you done to, in, you know, because your skill sets were completely different 
um, yeah. from, <laughs> from now the narrating. So what else have you done? Um, so you mean like in terms of like the book world? Yeah, because that's oh, the other okay, thing too. Yeah. A lot of times or a lot of skill sets can transition over into things like I, everything that you were yes. talking about before I'm like oh yeah no she can definitely have a side side hustle <laughs> yes yes so I'm lucky in that all of my things fall under the book umbrella at least um so yes I don't like consult for marketing anymore but marketing is one of those things if you own a business marketing is good so that was very helpful it was a skill that like while I don't sell said skill it's it's been very helpful I also sensitivity read. So for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what that means, when an author is writing outside of their identities, the identities that they themselves hold, and they're writing in an inclusive manner, but they want to try and ensure that they uh, don't commit like egregious harm against the people that they are trying to include in their book, they hire what we call a sensitivity reader. And so that was something an uh, author friend had asked me originally. I didn't put myself out there to do that. But I had spoken about diversity, equity, and inclusion type issues as it related to books. And so I guess I accidentally set myself up for that. And then, um, so I, I do that rather almost consistently. I've only had a couple of months since I started doing it that I didn't have a project to sensitivity read. And that's supported by the fact that like I just finished my my coursework for my bachelor's degree in psychology. So that's been, you know, really helpful. And I also plan on putting out my first book next year. I was in an anthology earlier this year, and it was, it's just been a lot of fun. Uh, and I think part of it just comes from most of the people I narrate for are indie authors who are just, you know, regular people. So, I mean, one of the authors, one book I just finished today, she works in marketing, but she is also an indie author, you know? So I was like, well, why not? Let me give it a go. And I've discovered that as much as I love reading, I, I've also really enjoyed writing my own things as well. So thankfully, all of that stuff falls under the book umbrella. And uh, most of the people in my community are like, Ruthie's writing stuff now? Cool. Let me, let me buy that too. So I'm like, thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it sometimes it wasn't the norm to have it out there uh, The when people were talented in multiple different things. Usually you were just known for the one and then you kind of stuck to that. And now based on, you know, how social media works and things like that and just putting yourself out there because that's huge, too. Uh, and also very scary. Uh, you people have discovered that, hey, I, I have a lot of different things that I like to do. Some of them being I'm really good at it. Some of those still gonna try it why not <laughs> yeah yeah well so so for me and I, and you probably appreciate this with your own marketing uh experience I always try to find the common thread through things because one of the things I did before that I focused on that I enjoyed a lot was personal brand development and so people would be like well I have these different things but like, well the important thing to find is what's the common thread among those things. So yeah, even though everything I do is in the book world, but they all still have this common thread of diverse and inclusive stories. Almost every single book I've ever narrated is either an own voices book or it's an inclusive story. Every story that I've read my, or written myself is also diverse and inclusive. And then just by being a sensitivity reader and a diversity consultant, uh, those are stories that are also diverse and inclusive. And so for me, that diversity and inclusivity is the common thread in everything that I do and is something that is very obvious in my brand, whether you're seeing me for the first time on my website or on Instagram or TikTok, like 
you know that that is an, a core brand value. Everything is structured around that because it's incredibly important to me. I think it's important in general, and we're now getting again more vocal about it because uh, again, social media providing that opportunity. But yes. there have been so many times where I love books and I love read. I've like I've shared before. There's a photo of me being what maybe two or three sitting in the toilet having a potty moment reading a book. Thanks, mom, a for that. Yep. I mean, it's like and I'm okay with sharing that photo. Other ones, not so much because I just don't like that. But still, it's like that. Was like, yes, this is where my book loving started. <laughs> and but I, growing up, there was hardly ever that girl in the story where mm-hmm. first generation American, but Latin parents. And yeah. bilingualness and, you know, inside the house, Spanish, outside the house, English and figuring out how our brains work, because I, you know, I get stuck on a word. I'm like, how do you say this in Spanish when I'm speaking in English or the other yeah. way around? The other way the word comes out in the opposite. And I'm going English, English, Spanish. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Um, so fast forward, I'm loving that we now have significantly more stories out there with you know, Latinas and other, you know, ethnicities and stuff like that and, and mixed culture. Cause I also feel like I'm, I was never American enough, nor yeah. was I Latin enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, listen, I still like my empanada de queso from Chile and my black beans <laughs> and rice from Cuba and my hamburgers from, uh, from Florida. Okay. There we go. Uh- <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but that's definitely something that has been more in the forefront. I've been embracing it significantly more myself um and being a little bit more vocal about it because i i i have the privilege in many cases of passing for white mm-hmm. in many cases and i've had people said things to me and i'm like did y'all forget i'm latina <laughs> clearly clearly i'm like let's go back there and talk so i love the fact that you have been from the moment that i you know first saw your profile on social media i'm like oh okay and that you you don't seem afraid to have those difficult conversations whether it's about the business side of things, Verba, um, or the inclusivity, <laughs> diversity. <laughs> Just past the Verba anniversary. I know. <laughs> I know. And it brings up, I'm going, man, was that that long ago? Because uh, I was doing some some research and stuff. And I'm like, there, there there's Ruthie. There's that V like name. Um, <laughs> trust me. I was like, no. Um, for those that are listening and have no clue what we're probably referring to, just uh just Google it. <laughs> you can Google it. I actually, so I passed 10 K followers recently and Congrats. I had saved. Thank you. I had on TikTok, and I had just, uh, I got playlists. And so I had saved every single video I did about Verba into a private collection. Yes. <laughs> and so I put all of them into the playlist. So if anybody wants to watch. Yes. Go over to TikTok. Those, you can actually out. go click that playlist and you can watch all the videos. Yeah, because funny and not funny, haha, but like really enough, it comes in waves. Whether we have, yes. like you were saying, the fake accounts on ACX where, you know, you're going to get paid $400 for, for five minutes of work to contracts not being fulfilled to mm-hmm. having incorrect casting for own voice characters and no one saying anything about it. Um, but mm-hmm. you have always been very vocal about it and also very polite about it and very strategic in how you goes it's not like you're going out there to beat someone's you know not you're not taking off your earrings and going bitch <laughs> right yeah i say that for the group chat yeah <laughs> yeah but people make mistakes if they don't know that they're doing harm you know so i i love the fact that you've educated a lot of us in how maybe we should just take a moment to breathe and stop 
and then react or then at least say something. Have you always been that way or has it been more recently because of how social media is structured nowadays that you've had Um, to adjust? uh, So I think social media has a role, but I think what it was is it was something I figured out about myself very early on. I was in high school um, and... I I'm once I've identified you as one of my people, like I'm very, I like, I feel like one of the things I will take with me into the afterlife will be all of my grudges, <laughs> which I feel like people don't realize that about me. Like I hold a grudge, like a boss, uh, which I'm not sure is a Gemini characteristic, but it doesn't matter because it's my characteristic. Um, and as a result though, I, I can hyper fixate on, revenge like I'm like I can be very vengeful you know um like I like Olivia Pope I'm like yes ma'am step on me right like because nobody delivers revenge like Olivia Pope yeah (laughs) but it was in high school one time where I showed up to a conversation with a bat and I was wrong I had received incorrect information and I was like "Mm, that could have been bad yeah (laughs) (laughs) like it was a metal bat like I hardly quinned it up um and I was like that could have been bad I was like so it's not necessary like so I don't show up to things with bats anymore because I'm an adult and they send you to real jail for that um (laughs) but that doesn't mean necessarily that the amount of energy that I can devote to something the way that I hyper fixate is necessarily a bad trait what it means though is that I have to be careful about when that that side of me comes out and I have found that nine times out of ten it's either not worth my energy um it's not going to change anything or I don't have enough information to actually justify letting that side of me out to play so so that is kind of what happened is I I don't want to be wrong um and I I care very much about things being fair and so sometimes I do find that like I'm the only person talking about some things. Um, and I recognize that in some cases it might be because it's I have the privilege of working with indie authors who also care about the things that I care about. And so when I choose to talk about, you know, a problematic book or a problematic business practice or whatever, something that could potentially make me less attractive as a work partner for perhaps companies or whatever. Uh, My indie authors though, they're like, yes. And it's like, well, somebody should say something. And I think a lot of times, right. We always say that like somebody should say something about this, but it's like, well, what if that somebody is supposed to be you? And I'm like, okay, well, maybe in this case that somebody is supposed to be me. And so, yeah, so I, it's, I like to be careful Uh, Just because I I do understand how easy it is to be triggered and like and by triggered, I just mean get very stuck in your own emotions about something. Um, I try to recognize when, okay, it's just me who's feeling that way because of my unique life experience, right? Like I've got PTSD from combat. A lot of people, like, I'm not going to be mad at somebody when they startle me and I scream at them. Like, is that an appropriate response? No. But I like I do it to my husband all the time in our house. It's just the way that my PTSD is. But should I then get upset to that person? No, it's a very unique life experience that led me to this point where I can't handle being startled. And I get startled in some of the ways that you wouldn't expect versus something where, you know, you read it or consume it. And you're like, this actually has a broad application for harm. It didn't just harm me, either accidental or intentional. This has a broad application. And so so that's kind of how I try to approach things. I, I wasn't always that way. And I'm certainly not perfect. 
but I also try to be very sure that I'm right. And if I'm incorrect, I will probably be the first person to tell you so. Yeah. I think that's important too. We've, I've seen it so many times where people are trying to do this whole cancel culture and without enough information or with enough information, but I'm like, okay, but why don't we, they might have a moment where they can get educated and they will, you know, no longer do continuously harm because again, sometimes we don't know what we don't know until mm-hmm. someone tells us. And unfortunately, a lot of times people are surrounded with yes, dogs, Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, this. That yes, echo yes, chamber. You, yes, of everything you do is golden. And yes, you do poop rainbow, you know, butterflies. And I'm <laughs> like, no, no, sir. I, I, I love you. But let me tell you. And it's just, you know, they're surrounded by those yes people that they don't potentially see that they're doing anything wrong. Yeah. And then someone yeah, and else actually comes that, along. <laughs> yeah. And actually, that is how, what, how I first started kind of building on book talk was something had popped off in like February, I think, of 2022. And people, um, uh, there were like two sides. I mean, of course, many sides, but there were two primary sides and things are popping off. And I made a video basically being like, hey, so to everybody who's trying to get everyone else to pick a side. And for those of you who have felt that you've picked a side, uh, I, I pointed out all the things that we didn't know. I pointed out, we don't know this. We don't know that. We don't know this, that. And the other thing, ABC, XYZ. So there's actually not enough information here to try and pick a side, even though it has nothing to do with you. Uh, to even formulate a, a strong opinion, none of us have enough information. And then Book Talk, at least some of Book Talk, was like, hmm, good point. point. <laughs> <laughs> the audacity of potentially like stopping to just breathe and not react. It, it's and or having that, you know, that uh, I call them minions where someone I don't like said something. And so I'm going to get all my minions behind me and blah, 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 and defend me. And I'm like, before you pick up that sword, ma'am, um, make sure that the people that are going to be in your defense you know, camp are actually also honorable and are going to actually be there for you. Um, but yeah. even then you just have to like, OK, let's not escalate. Let's just calmly have the conversation. Um, yes. Yes. Well, and how how is this conversation going to serve you? You know, and so those are the types of people I'm friends with is like, are we really friends? If like you bring something to me and you're like, I'm going to go burn the world down over this. Are we really friends? If I'm like, hey, so, uh, you know me just looking out for you. But have you considered this, 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 that, that? And then they'd be like, no. And I'd be like, okay, all right. Oh, like, you know, maybe you're one of my author friends and you're heated about something. I'd be like, yeah, but you know what? Like, aren't you like building toward like this collaboration? Don't you have something big you're about to announce? Do you really want to do that right now? You know, so it's like, are we really friends if I don't feel safe enough to tell you that, yes, I believe, yep, I see why you're mad. I see why you're mad, but how is this going to serve you? If I can't comfortably ask you that question, are we really friends? No. Like, if I don't feel comfortable asking you that question, uh, you're you're probably also not coming to me raging. Yeah, <laughs> that know? is true. Yeah, and I and I think I've done that to you once. You're telling me, like, okay, listen, am I seeing it this way because X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah? And you've been like, you've been like, there's been times where you're like, oh yeah, you are, you're good. And other times you're like, okay. Let's talk about this in a couple of minutes after you've calmed down. But I appreciate that because as a Pisces, I am very lovey-dovey <laughs> and very much like going with the flow and stuff like that. But if you piss me off, I, you know, revenge and grudges and, you know, 
Yes. All this fun stuff along with it. I just start burning candles and putting people in jars. Uh, right, right. <laughs> See, and I love how you describe all that and you labeled it as fun stuff. That's yeah. why we're friends. Yes. <laughs> And it just went, and then and then I'm like I'm like okay so I'm just gonna calm or whatever and then I'm like I see a video of you narrating I'm like I love how she narrates so if you guys have not watched Ruthie narrates um, it is so like I just get fascinated because she's you, you stand up normally when you're narrating mm-hmm. but yeah. you also do this thing where you're like almost like a symphony because of how you speak with your hands no speak with my hands I don't know yeah. <laughs> And it does look like I'm conducting, but that's yeah. just how it comes out. Yes. And it's also fascinating too, because in the context of how with narrators, it's like, you know, you can't wear jewelry. You have to wear f- uh, fabrics that are quiet, um, stay very, very still. And she's like, and her hands are moving. I'm like, that is just too cute. Is that something that you realize that you do? Is it that part of the, how do you keep cadence? How How is that? No, I'm changing subjects and stuff like that, but it's just also something that I was like, oh, that's right, because I just finished recently seeing that. I'm like, he's like conducting an orchestra. <laughs> yeah, well, so I think that, um, so it was something I noticed that I did speaking with my hands. I noticed it in 2020 because I, as a marketing consultant, uh, one of the ways that I marketed myself was predominantly through demonstrating that I was able to do for myself what I also did for clients. So one of the big things that my clients really liked, again, from a personal brand perspective, was getting on things like podcasts, being invited to speak at events and things. Well, 2020, all the podcasts, of course, were already digital, but uh, the events were all virtual. Well, I got invited to speak for quite a few of them uh, in my circles. And then, you know, just seeing the clips they would share on social media, seeing it play back. I'm like, man, look at all my hand movement on the screen. (laughs) Like, wow. Right. But so at one point that was actually something I cultivated intentionally because I like, so for example, people won't be able to see this, but like I always made sure that my zoom camera showed basically from like my ribs up. So that way, when I moved my body and gesticulated, uh, people were able to see that as part of the event because it kind we we communicate a lot through body language. A lot of communication is done through body language. And so I made sure to intentionally include that. Well, I didn't realize I was doing it when I was narrating um, until I started posting like clips and stuff. And then I was like, oh wow, look at that. And sometimes you can kind of tell like the vibe or the emotion of what's happening. Cause like when things are very sad or whatever, my hands tend to be a lot more open, but when they're starting to get like violent or tense or angry, then like I start to get like claws or I might even like fist my hands or whatever. Um, But I, I think it does kind of help me keep flow in an energetic way. It kind of helps me tie my words to my body. And so again, background in you know psychology now um we feel our emotions before we're and they're that's why they're called feelings first an emotion is what you psychologically label it as uh and as a weird note that you may want to research later plenty of us actually mislabel our emotions for me i will mistake tiredness as sadness so i'll go through the whole day wondering why i'm so depressed i'm not depressed i'm tired (laughs) so Yeah. So a lot of us mislabel our emotions. Uh, But yeah, so we feel it first in our body. And a lot of times that ends up being communicated through body language. So when I'm able to move my shoulders or my feet are in a certain position, but my arms, right, we, we can move those quite a bit. 
it helps me emotionally connect to the story and to then have that kind of channel, you know, from my core up and out. And so that I have found is one of like my tools, not like something everybody needs to do, but it's something for me that has been very effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been, I love, I love, I like how it could get in. For me, I, I love music and I'm very musical growing up and stuff. I did, you know, band and guitar ensemble and stuff like that. So it was, it's also like a happy memory sometimes of watching you like mm-hmm. conduct. And, but you're right. I've noticed the same thing about like when you're in that character and they're, they're, they're just, conveying a some, some form of dialogue but it's still an emotional but nice kind of a thing your hands get a little bit more lower and they're a, little, a lot open and just flowing and then sometimes when you switch to the male point of view they're a little higher and they're like a little more clawy kind of stuff like that it's just like oh okay so even if yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. get the whole spiel from the very beginning I'm like oh I learned oh, okay she that that's her guide dude okay <laughs> yeah 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 and like sometimes too like if I find that I'm struggling with a line if I if I really get into the body language of it it helps me a lot especially with the masculine characters because I do a lot of fantasy and that's you know I've done quite a bit of dark um, fantasy but in fantasy characters have an opportunity often to be a lot more physically aggressive than we do in our normal day-to-day lives and I think some of like my masculine energy probably was cultivated when I was in the military since my first base was an infantry base lots of masculine energy right so i even changed the way i walked the way i held myself to Mm -hmm. to kind of more reflect kind of that masculine thing you know and that was helpful uh as a way to kind of establish authority but also as like a means of of protection in a way uh because i kind of cultivated this reputation of i will kick you in your face first and ask questions later um which sounds dramatic but if you've ever for anybody mm-hmm. who's listening if you've never been on an, like a military base that leans more towards things like infantry or artillery or something like that trust me it was necessary to cultivate that but that's a whole nother podcast episode um i will actually have found like for some of them like if, if the masculine character is going to be really threatening and i'm kind of struggling to make that line come out the way that i want i've even done something where i will put my arms my hands up on the walls of my booth and just try to take up more space and like, you know, try to imagine being that huge muscular man that's now threatening this other person, right? To help like the body language just brings it all up and helps me just really get into the character. And I've done that quite a few times. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many threats. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, it's definitely a a genre for a reason in some cases. I thought you were going to say that you like put like a stool, like a stepping stool and you just get taller. You just got to feel taller. And in a yeah. booth like that, where you're taking up that space, yeah, it's not that big. So it allows you to get that sensation of taking up space. And, and that's what, you know, threatening energy can do, whether, it, you know, as it exudes outside of the body, you are not just making that person think twice about right now, you're making them think twice about the future too, in a lot of cases for a lot of these yeah. books. So, Yeah. Yeah. And especially with audiobooks, I mean, if you're watching a play, you can see that body language. Mm-hmm. And you know that they're like, oh, they're getting upset because they're starting to lean forward when they're having that conversation. Or like you're saying, they straighten out a little bit more to kind of take up more space. Um, in audiobooks, all we have to go by are the words and how you guys as the narrators are performing it. And and it's and it's really fascinating how sometimes when it's delivered completely like on point, you're like, ooh, yeah, I wouldn't want to fuck yeah. with them. <laughs> right yeah those goosebumps yeah stuff like that it's, it's really fascinating to to have those reactions too 
and your guy voice, your male voices are very good. You. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I know it's harder sometimes for the ladies and just like the guys when they have the deeper voice to get into that more stuff. And it's not about the tone. It's about softening things up. How do you go about doing your male characters? Um, so a lot of them, I try to keep in mind, like what the author has for like their personality, of course, right. Uh, but sometimes, and this leans into psychologically, the way that human beings tend to categorize people. So it's not that men and women both don't have voices that range a very huge spectrum. But when you're providing an, a performance, a performance that does not include visual cues, as you noted just a few minutes ago, um, it can be helpful to lean into culturally what we almost think of as a stereotype. Like, can women have deeper voices? Yes. Do they tend to? Not always. And again, all of that is completely subjective. But it's the same thing, I think, for our masculine characters. It's like, uh, for example, the book that I was just doing, um, we have a few characters that would sound very similar on the surface. But one of them is often very playful. And one of them is the villain. Right. So like the villain sounds villainous, like he's very calculating. He's very cold. Um, but the other character, he is very playful and he is he teases our main character a lot, whereas our villain, uh, maybe he thinks he's teasing, but, you know, he's just being a villain. Um, and so there are things that like I often like to try to play with where it's the range in which I find uh, or which I will produce the character's voice. So while they sound like they have like similar sounds one of the characters the more playful one is more likely to have higher notes in his sentences and his cadence is represented as something more that's more playful whereas our cold and calculated character he has uh, a tighter uh, i put more of a limit i suppose on any high notes that end up in his sentences in his dialogue as well as giving him a much slower cadence because as much as he's masterminded this whole thing he's also very careful about the way that he speaks um and so that's that's kind of what i try to lean into is I, I really mentally try to get into that character and i think about it like and the same is true it happens with the femme voices as well some of my femme characters it's like they have more of a range so anybody who's listened to this podcast episode probably recognizes that i myself have a very large range mm -hmm. like in which i will express myself the the more like excitement might see my voice get really high and i'm like oh my God, I'm mm -hmm. <laughs> and so i'll be like way up here but i actually tend to have a lot of vocal fry naturally in my voice and so where my range is at is very wide and so i find that also even doing something like that where limiting the range across the board can provide you with a completely different character mm -hmm. yeah it's very important to be able to differentiate because again when when we're re eyeball reading we can like okay wait so wait, I left my place. Who was talking? You can always flip back a couple of pages and kind of skim it and find it. You can't do so much that with an audiobook. You You miss the scene. You're like, now something you accidentally are back to chapter one. Not like I've done that at all. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> so having the narrative provide those different tones and cadences to the each of the character is very helpful to be able to kind of then I, you know, I tend to be like, I see like a play in a movie mm -hmm, when I'm listening or mm -hmm. reading. Yes. Um, and then being able to then hear that cadence and and be able to go, oh, okay, so that's so-and-so and that versus the other one. It's it's really good. Um, when it comes down to the different scenes, especially with you with fantasy, that's always, uh, I love fantasy for the, the, the range again in how things mm -hmm. are done. Mm -hmm. Is there a favorite type of scene that you like to perform in fantasy? 
Um, I don't know if it's fantasy specific exactly, but I always love the emotional scenes. So I guess, yeah, I don't know if I would say it's fantasy specific exactly. Although again, with fantasy uh, as opposed to contemporary, we often find ourselves in different, more dramatic situations. Um, not, and you know what, dark romance, contemporary readers don't come for me. Okay. I see y'all. I know y'all. I got it. All right. We're speaking <laughs> in generalities. Cut me some slack. <laughs> Uh, but we just end up in very like, like not, this isn't a metaphorical ending of the world. Like in some cases, we're literally talking about the earth or whatever planet we're on not existing anymore. Like the villain wants to make it stardust. Like that's how dramatic we're talking right now, right? Mm -hmm. Like you do not pass go and collect your $200 if you're stardust. So <laughs> I the, the emotional scenes are always going to be some of the ones that I, I think are going to be my favorite. Um because I'm very empathetic. And it and the thing about reading and the thing about media is that uh, when you're experiencing it, at least on a very deep psychological level, uh, your brain's not really distinguishing between what's reality and what's fake. So when one of our characters, one of our most loved characters in a book or series uh, dies, it's not the same. It's no, by no means the same as what you would feel for like a close family member or anything. But you do kind of go through some grief, <laughs> grief and like processing. It's it's not nearly as much, but because of how much I can put myself emotionally into the scenes, I think at least in that moment I feel it. And that's why you'll have narrators who end up crying, or you know, I come out of the booth and my husband's like, "Hey, did you have a good day?" I'm like, "Don't touch me." I'm mad at you right now. And he's like, what did I do? I was like, you didn't do anything, but I'm mad. <laughs> you know, sometimes you carry that around with you a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's like always going to be my favorite is when I have that opportunity to really lean in emotionally, because I know that that's something that's something I like about my own work. I feel personally that I am good at that. And, you know, everybody likes different styles and they have narrator skills that they favor. So I won't say that everybody likes that about my style or anything but it is when I stop at the end of that scene and I have those feelings and I just know I'm like I I nailed that for me I nailed that and I'm like yes that's those are always my favorite yeah there's been times where I've had the pleasure of listening to a book from a friend that's a narrator or someone that I've had the be I'm able to send them a dm and say what the f why are you such a bitch <laughs> yeah. yeah and they're like what book are you reading <laughs> yeah i've had some of my non-book friends mm -hmm. pick up my pick up some of the stuff i've done and that's what the dms are. they're like who are you yeah <laughs> and i'm like which 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 you read are you asking me that question because of the spice that was in the book or did i just end somebody i'm not sure <laughs> yeah oh god that's that's always the other thing too the spice is always uh interesting as far as the how variety uh, of options are out there as well as uh what some people may deem yeah i'll try that uh <laughs> yeah, versus their yeah. heart like no i like it just in my books and that's okay uh, yes yes I, i've discovered that too i was like those are book kinks yeah. Right. You like them in the book, but mm -hmm. like, don't do that in real life. Don't, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> well, it's funny that that's actually a, something that um, 
that you should coin. If not, uh, you know, it might be the book kink being specifically just for the book, because I've gotten those questions. Like when someone has, you know, in, even in the book world, they're like, Hey, you're listening slash reading this book. Does that mean that like, first of all, none of your business. Uh, <laughs> um, but thanks for asking. I don't know. Um, but just having those conversations sometimes. And unfortunately too, sometimes people ask the author and our narrators, these kind of personal inappropriate questions, but I, I get it. Um, when it comes down to that whole having the book kink, like, it's okay in my books. And I've discovered in some cases, oh yeah, I may, I may want to try X, Y, Z, or I didn't know that I was actually wanting to travel to, to France. Usually France is not my own list of places to go, but the author did it such a beautiful job of describing it that I'm like, oh, okay, fine. It goes on my list, at least in this area um, yeah. and things like that versus what we would actually do in real life. So that mm-hmm. whole, like, it's a book kink um, is a good one <laughs> to you. Yeah, for. yeah. These are things I like in books. Books. <laughs> yeah, because I, I I, would not be, no, not not a happy Vivi if you try to pull this shit with me in real life. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I got I got one that I think is probably pretty good. So I like primal in books. And if you know, you know. I can't handle that, mostly due to my PTSD. I can't handle that in real life. The most I can deal is like if my husband will make moves like he's going to chase me and then he'll do the same thing to me that he does to the kids where he'll like stomp his feet (laughs) on the ground to make it sound like he's coming for me. But like my panic takes over and my adrenaline skyrockets. I don't think I would make it through a legit like primal scene in my life. Like I think I I would I would I would tap out like I'd be like, no, freeze. Time out. Yeah. (laughs) But in the book. Yep. Love. Love. Yeah. Yeah. So that, in that example, I would also be one that's in a book. I can totally see that. I might be okay with it if mentally I was prepared that it was going to happen. But I'm also the girl that has a black belt in Taekwondo. And if you come at me and I'm not expecting it, I will, you will end up on the floor grabbing your nuts. <laughs> exactly. So we need to have a safe word to kind of start the scene, if anything, at the very minimum. <laughs> yes yes exactly like i need to be aware of that i yeah. need to i need to know yeah come at me out of nowhere you will be on the floor <laughs> yeah yeah that's just the reactive <laughs> that's just that's just the reality of things you just need yeah, to know it does is there a, a genre that you have yet to narrate in that you'd love to um let's see i haven't done any sci-fi yet whether it's sci-fi, sci-fi romance, like sci-fi, any other subgenre of sci-fi. I haven't done any sci-fi yet, and I would very much like to. Um, one of the authors I grew up reading quite a bit of was Anne McCaffrey. And so specifically, my some of my favorite sci-fi is like this fantastical sci-fi. Um, and so that was kind of what Anne McCaffrey wrote quite a bit of. Um, my One of my favorite series by her was The Dragon Riders of Pern, which reads like a fantasy until you figure out, like you get deeper into the series and realize that it is in fact not, it's a sci-fi. Um, and that was a really pleasant surprise for me. Um, and I also really liked her, uh, shoot, the Talents series for anybody who's who's read those. I really enjoyed those series as well. Um, and then because I have four kids and my young, my oldest is 11 now and my youngest is five, I would really like to do some middle grade, which arguably based on everything else I've done under my real name, I might actually have to put any middle grade titles I would be fortunate enough to get under a pen name. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, I want to hear this book by Ruthie Buff. 
Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't oh, want not that one. Not that one. And I, I feel like, uh, like my kids know to ask, they'll be like, is this book appropriate for children? And so we'll have the, no, it's not appropriate for children. We'll have the, you could listen to this, but I think you'll be more interested when you're older. Cause I've done some YA. Um, but I haven't done any middle grade yet. And I think that that would also be really cool just because, um, it would be written in such a way as to capture their interest versus just being technically appropriate, but actually written for them. Um, so yeah, so those are two that I've got on my list that I'd, I'd really love to do. Yeah, well, folks, you guys are listening out there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, she has time on her calendar that she can book you if you want her. Um, the other thing too, that I, it would be that I want to talk about, because to me it was really important also that you did it was um, the Femme Takeover. Uh, oh, yes. Yes. I know that you're, you were a huge part of it. Um, tell us more about that in case um, anyone listening does not know what the Femme Takeover is and what that means and all that fun stuff. Okay. So the Femme Audio Takeover is mm-hmm. something that we do on TikTok, although I do try to cross post my clips over onto Instagram and Facebook. But the Femme Audio Takeover actually started, uh, I think, the same week that Verba started and yeah. ended. Because it lasted like 24, 48 hours. You've been a lot longer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And really where it started was it was with myself, uh, Allie Dane, who I've mentioned quite some time ago, (laughs) and Paige Reisenfeld. And we were just in our, uh, we were talking with each other and just kind of, uh, in general, just bemoaning, as I've bemoaned to you, the disparity between things like pay or recognition between femme narrators and mask narrators, feminine narrators, masculine narrators. And we were just talking about like how much we also bring to the table. So it's not like we're better. It's just that we also, and it often feels overlooked or overshadowed. And I think it was because, you know, we were talking about how often in like romance books, you might only get the masculine narrator on the sample even though the femme narrator might have more narration in that book than the, than the masculine narrator. Um, and then just the whole thing with like the verba and stuff, it was just like, Oh my goodness. And so we're like, okay, you know what, maybe this will be fun to do. We'll just talk to our authors and be, and you know, maybe we'll just make a video and say, Hey, like, if, is there any author who'd want to kind of help us celebrate uh, the femmes essentially? Um, and that's as a femme narrator, femme character. And then that's been expanded uh for like femme presenting. So, you know, it can include non-binary characters who have a more feminine presentation or like trans characters. So I just wanted, and that's why I say femme and mask narrators in, you know, in an effort to try and be more inclusive of presentation. And it blew up. Mm -hmm. Like I was expecting to do like three. And I think that very first time I did like 25 snippets. Uh, because I couldn't say no to anybody. It was really <laughs> difficult. I was it's recording. Hard. It is. I started recording the day before, and they're usually 30 to 60 second snippets. That's all that happened. The author just sent us a scene that showcased uh, a femme character really stepping into her power or, you know, just uh, reclaiming it from someone. And, you know, we defined power and that reclamation or claiming of it as, as very broad because sometimes it's very quiet. Sometimes your characters at the very end of their rope and the fact that they chose to show up that day, whatever they showed up for, that was the power. 
right? And like you feel that in the goosebumps. But sometimes it is them wielding this sword or blasting people with magic or whatever. Like it, it's all across the board at the ways that power and, and that uh, agency shows up. And authors just left and right were like, yes, 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 us, like me, 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 like, let's do it. And other narrators wanted to get involved. And I'm like, well, yeah, sure you can. And they're like, well, what are the rules? And I'm like, shit, now I got to come up with rules. <laughs> I'm the girl and I'm the friend that would be like, okay, what are the rules? <laughs> yeah. And so then we had to kind of come up with rules. And then I was like, okay, well, and then people were like, oh, I missed it. And I missed it again. And so we started just, you know, picking days. And so far it's been about bi-monthly or so, or maybe about once a quarter where we do it again. And it's like, okay, Fem Audio Takeover Day is on X date. And like, you don't have to have the book out yet. I've had the joy of narrating clips from books that aren't out yet. And then they come out. And I usually repost those clips to help the author like spread the word. But it's so amazing to just kind of watch how people get excited and they come together and you know people always ask like well uh well do you get work from it and i was like well yeah but that's not the point the point is this celebration and the community building because i have stayed booked up and blessed because of community so we're not out here like trolling people or trolling authors trying to like get work or anything um but it has happened um in kind of this kind of natural joyous type of way but there's never any strings there's no pressure like I'm not following up with authors who asked me to narrate a piece being like so do you want me to turn that into an audiobook for you that that never happens um because that's just that's not that wasn't the point that wasn't the point um and so the film audio takeover has been something that we do on TikTok um that people ask me when's the next one when's the next one I'm I'm really excited I've had people who are like oh I just love going to the hashtag and then I'll just watch I'll just watch people. I'll just watch snippet after snippet over and over. And it it warms me very much that it's something that has helped readers find new books to read. It's helped listeners find new narrators that they would enjoy. Yes, this particular thing's not an audiobook, but this off this narrator has a catalog of 25, 50 books and genres that you're interested in. Now they want to go do that. But it has also helped authors find narrators that they'd want to work with, you know, whether, you know, right now or at some point in the future. Um, and I just think it also helps make us as narrators more accessible uh, to listeners, but also more accessible to authors as well. Um, and so, yeah, so it's something that we look forward to doing every single time. And I didn't do one for September because school started and I've got two events at the end of the month, but probably going to have to do one in October. People are going to start pressuring me. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, so when is the next one? <laughs> See, there it is. Probably October. And um, and that was one of the things. I was like, well, how do we keep people informed about it? So I actually created like a special email list for the authors and for the narrators just for that. I never email them about anything else. I only email them when it's like, okay, we're getting ready to do another Femme Audio Takeover. Um, you know, let's get ready. Like, find your narrators. Who do you want to have do your snippets and, and stuff like that? Or uh, the narrators. Hey, narrators, reach out to your authors because this is a great way as well to market books that you've already recorded. So you can include that, like, in the caption or on the video. This book's already in audio, and this is the scene that we're using for the Femme Audio Takeover. So, you know, it's it has a lot of applications that I think can be really helpful you know, in addition to like that kind of fostering of community that happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, and it's, just, it's really important uh, to have that community because unfortunately 
in specifically in the romance genre, um, the ladies tend to get overlooked, whether they're forgotten as part of a review, the, the, the audience is raving about a book and only mentions the male narrator. Um, and, and while I understand that predominantly the genre is written by cis, you know, females for cis females as readers, but, um, the ladies carried the book 90% of the time. The guy only, you know, popped up in the epilogue and, (laughs) and, and honestly, I want to say, and you know, that mm, probably the, the, the femme narrator is the one that was doing all the production side of things, as far as, you know, organizing emails, making sure that the, the accents, if there was accent work or tones and cadences was being checked in with the guys. In many cases, the guys have still not replied to that email, by the way. Uh, (laughs) So the fact that the ladies sometimes get the short end of the stick is, is really pissing me off <laughs> yeah it's true and, and and that's the other thing is like when you know when any narrator does that and i will say that uh i can admit that there may be a little bit of a bias just because most of the narrators i speak to on a regular are femmes but i feel like they are often the ones telling me how they they're doing exactly what you said like okay we're checking in about accents we're making sure that this is consistent let's go ahead and schedule our like a call so we can go over this like they're the ones taking the initiative for that and i don't know if that has any relation whatsoever and for anybody listening i'm coming from a U- united states perspective this like u.s inclination of the you know the woman in the relationship so uh you know like a heteronormative type relationship the woman in the relationship being the one who's always taken the initiative to organize all of the things in the house like that's what we do is we move these pieces around and whatnot um and but you know i'm always looking to serve for the like purpose of the project but that is free labor like that stuff that's called project management for any of my narrators who are listening. And if you do that, you are doing it for free, but that is something that people get paid for, project management. Yes, as a production manager, I've done that. (laughs) So there you go, you you get paid for that. Um, and, and, you know, it's, I'm not saying that everybody suddenly needs to go out and get paid for that, but don't overlook your contribution to a project. I actually did tell that to a a femme narrator friend of mine who I felt was glossing over the fact that they took on this burden, right? Um, and it was to, and it served and created a great project, but don't overlook that. All right. Like that is your contribution and it should not be overlooked. Even if you're the only one, I guess, us together are paying attention to that. That was important. And it was a serious contribution to help that audiobook be everything that it could be. And I'm not going to let you gloss over it for yourself. And uh, I'm damn sure not going to gloss over it for myself. So. No. Yeah. And that's also important to, to, to have those conversations because a lot of times we do a lot of free label labor, whether it's mm-hmm. part of the production side or, you know, in my case, sometimes when it's on the marketing side and, you know, raving about a book and stuff like that and and doing the graphics that were like, it only took two seconds. Yeah, it only took me two seconds because I've been doing it for the past 10 or 15 years. Right. In it order took me to two, get seconds it two seconds because I set up templates. I know yes. exactly what I want it to look like. Would it have taken you two seconds? No. No. <laughs> no. Even with Canva. Sorry, I'm digging. Right, exactly. Oh. <laughs> even but, with Canva, it would not have taken you two seconds. Two seconds you know how many times yeah. I've wanted even to yeet Canva out the window? Yeah. Yes, so many times. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know. Um, but it's definitely important to recognize the, the team and that the team is both male and female narrators. So the fact that you have the uh, film audio takeover and it's been so successful. So you, you mentioned that you have a sign up um, list for those that are authors that are wanting to 
um, participate and also mm-hmm. being the know and also the narrators, where can mm-hmm. we find that information for those that are listening that may want to be like, ooh, the next one's in October. <clears throat> right, yeah. Um, so you can find that in my link tree, either on TikTok or Instagram. Uh, now that you bring it up, I've been meaning to, and you know this, right? The the only marketing that doesn't get done is the marketing for the marketer. And I've been meaning to make a website page on my website about it. So I will try to get that up before October, just so it's uh, something that will hopefully become Googleable, searchable. It'll become searchable, hopefully. Um, but yeah, I do need to do a page for that. But yeah, it's uh, whether you're author or narrator, you can sign up to either of those lists. And like I send out reminders, I send out recommendations for for your marketing, or I give examples, you know, specific examples for, hey, this might be how you might want to set up your video. Um, and then like recommendations for like cross-posting and posting it in other places, um, just to kind of help, you know, people have those ideas. Like those are things that I know to do, but maybe not everybody knows to do and like the different ways to apply it. Yeah. And that's true. Sometimes I have to remind myself of like, okay, maybe you're the, the subject matter expert. Not everybody knows all these things. So let's just explain. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sometimes that's all you got to do. Whereas like, oh yeah, what have you guys like taken these and like posted them in your authors, like Facebook groups. And then they're just like, blink, blink. What? Yeah. Like I can do that. Blink. I can do that. Like, yeah. yeah. Just, I mean, yeah. If the author doesn't want it, like they would either reject it, but like, I've never, if you're ever concerned, just ask the author, but I've literally never had anybody say no. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's positive at every different angle that I can look at it from yes. the author potentially thinking about getting into audiencing if there's interest for her titles to be in audio to an author getting some back titles uh, again in front of uh, the audience to the narrators, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. displaying maybe a character that they have yet to, you know, narrate because they get typecast in a particular yes. type of role. It's not, you want to grab that sword, girl, grab that sword, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> that this is your chance. Yeah. To check, like to give it a try. Um, and I've done that where like, I've even reached out to authors and um, I always approach it kind of from, Hey, you know, I've been following you for a long time. Like maybe we're mutuals or whatever. And I don't think I've ever seen you participate in a film audio takeover. I want you to know that like, I would love to do a snippet if like, I would, you know, if my voice is a fit for your vision, um, even in just like this non-committal type way. I was like, I just want to make sure you know about it though, because if you don't know about it, you can't participate. Like you don't have to have me do it. That's not my expectation, but like just any any narrator that you know, I just don't want you to miss the opportunity for collaborative marketing because essentially it's also that. Um, and that's also been, you know, a really like kind of low pressure way that I've been able to reach out to authors and just kind of help draw them into this experience um, that they probably didn't even realize that they would enjoy quite as much as they did. Yeah. And again, so positive on other opportunities because, you know, once you record it, that means that you can throw back Thursday, put that thing in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, I, I you love know? doing it. I yeah. love doing it. Like, oh, the author just said, oh, my book's been out for a year. I'm like, oh, OK, let's reshare this snippet then. Like, yeah, you know, happy book anniversary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the amount of times that, I, that I'm, you know, scroll, scroll, scroll and I'll stop. And then I'm like, ooh, what book is that? I like my my heroines to be strong and, you know, independent and stuff like that. And unfortunately, the blurb sometimes doesn't really depict that or mm-hmm. you don't know or you've never heard of that author. And you're like, I don't know if I want to invest or whatever. But then you hear it and you're going, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then yeah. That, yeah, you're going, mm-hmm, yes, I'm putting that on my list. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> That's great. How can we as a community that are not the narrator or the author help support you guys when it comes down to this? 
Um, so in terms of the takeover, mm-hmm. yes. So those reshares. So readers have more leeway than we do um, as like narrators or as authors, right? Uh, because there are reader spaces, and so if you are purely a reader. Um, you know, resharing in places what like if that's a, like, say you're a reader and you run a Facebook group and you see some snippets that you really enjoy, like reposting them in there and being like, hey, like there's the author, there's the narrator. If you guys are interested, uh, reposting and sharing across platforms is always really helpful um, because as much as everybody who participates, whether they participate strictly from a, a watching slash listening perspective, as much as everybody across the board has said, we love this, we want more the social media platforms, because we're not making anybody mad, right? Yeah. Because we're not making people mad. Yeah. It's not drama and it's not, you know, high emotional discourse. Uh, The the platforms tend to show them to less people. But one of the ways that we communicate to these platforms that we like the content that we're seeing is by commenting, is by sharing with our friends, is by saving it or or reposting or whatever. Um, And I know for me, whenever the author reposts and and like reshares and stuff. It's always, it makes me feel really good. Whenever a reader does, it makes me feel amazing for both me and the author, because I'm like, wow, you liked this enough that like you, you've put it in your story or whatever, because you feel like your community would also like it. It, it, it's very, very encouraging. Like, I know it seems like such a small thing, um, and so for any reader who's listening, I know it seems when authors, you've heard it before, right? The author's like, oh, if you could just reshare, put it in your story, do this, that. It seems like such a small thing, but it is such, it's a small thing that has a disproportionate positive impact on the people who created that piece of content. In this case, the author and the narrator. To see that you liked it that much, that you reshared it, you are sharing space with us to share that content. It means so much. Whenever I, whenever somebody's done a book review, whenever somebody has done a TikTok or Instagram video, anything where they're just like, I love this so much. And thank you to the author. Thank you to the narrator, blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm a part of it. Like I'm the narrator. I have a little folder w- where I save that stuff. Uh, one is called book reviews. And then if it doesn't fall under a book review, it's called makes me happy. And I uh-huh. save them. So that way, when I have like a down day, I can go back and watch it and just kind of be get like warm and fuzzies. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so those, those things, they sound so small, but they, they have They're such huge. a big impact. It's so huge. And so what can the male presenting um, individuals in this community from the readers to other narrators to even authors do to assist? Because I know sometimes the thought is, well, we're going to give you guys that day and not say anything. We don't want to step in on them or make it about me. In that case, me being a male narrator, especially with the conversation we've been having about how it's always about the guys. (laughs) So what (laughs) can they, what is there something that they can do to help for those that are listening that are going, no, we want to help our girls. You know, we want to support our ladies. Yeah. So I think that uh, recognizing the platform that they have is always critical. Um, But in terms of the takeover specifically, um, I would say that those reshares for them mean a lot as well. Um, Because fan bases for narrators, like other types of masculine, you know, creators who are also masculine presenting can get very supportive. Mm -hmm. We'll put it in positive words. (laughs) Can get very supportive. (laughs) 
when they share something and talk about, you know, if they were to reshare and share something about what they liked about it, like that adds to what it is we're already doing because you're taking the time to share your platform with us. Um, a big thing though is leaving the space um, because I've had those questions. Well, like what if we, so I had a couple, you know, I've had a couple masculine narrators who are like, well, what if we did like a duet with a femme narrator? And I had to think about that. I had to think about that. Cause I'm like, okay, I can see why you would bring that up. But the point of this is to demonstrate how a femme narrator, just like a mask narrator, can stand on their own, that their talent speaks for themselves. Are we beautiful when we come together and we do those duet narrations? Absolutely. But save those for another day, right? Um, because one of the best ways that you can help is by not taking up the space. Because the last thing that we want to do on Femme Audio Takeover Day is to have some type of duet, right? And then all the comments be about the mask narrator. Again, feeding into that bias that already exists. So, so yeah, that's one of the big things is like leaving the space, uh, also creating space. And creating space isn't centering yourself, but it can be like, hey, I, again, I have this audience and I can create space and show them the things that these, my narrator, you know, coworkers, if you will, are also doing and, and creating that space. Just like in a project, you know, there's opportunities for them to also create space. Like it would be super great <laughs> if we stopped having samples uh, that only have the masculine narrator in it. Now the masculine narrator has different, different amounts of influence right in that regard but if they have a, a really big name then they have to know that sometimes that causes even companies to focus strictly on them and to neglect their femme counterparts yeah that's good because i know the question's been asked like and and also people sometimes may know they want to help but they're like oh i don't want to i don't i don't want to invade or want to make it seem about making about me but how do i support so it's important to have these conversations it's okay to ask how can i yes. support and then when you're yes. given the answer of give us space <laughs> to do it and how to go about it, listen and yes. and support, be supportive that way. So great. We'll be, I'll be sure to include that information as far as the authors and the narrators being able to sign up for that so they can participate this year, the, uh, the next time around and um, make sure that you follow Ruthie. So, you know, if the date changes because life happens, right. Yes. And that's okay. We'll just be like, just tell us when we're doing it next time. And we'll go from there. Um, yes. <laughs> Cause that's also yes. important. And that's why I send those emails because I hate it. I like I hate it in that it makes me sad. I hate uh, getting like that comment where it's like, oh, I didn't realize this was happening. Right. And it's like, OK. And then I ask, like, are you signed up for the emails? And nine times out of ten, they're like, there are emails. Mm -hmm. like, yes, there are emails for this, yes. for this reason right here, because I don't want you to miss out. Yeah. Exactly. And again, there's always a not if you happen to not and you or the information was already sent out, you know, always again asking and signing up for the next time because it's always going to be a next time, hopefully. Knock on yes. wood. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things I do love to do with our guests to play a game just to kind of get to know each other and also not going to lie, see how good of a liar you are. <laughs> <laughs> I had someone bust out with, I'm an actor. I should be able to make you believe that everything is the truth or stuff. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's go mm -hmm. that route as a positive. Mm -hmm. Um, is to play the game of two truths and a lie where you tell us three things about yourself and we have to figure out which one's the lie. So okay. you're ready. Mm. What okay. are your three things? What are my three things? What are my three things? 
the shame because I've already given away so many things <laughs> in the course of this interview. I should have, I should have, and it's funny because I knew we were going to do this and I should have. Yeah, that's uh, why I gave it for homework. <laughs> you no, know, you did. And I should have kept some things. There were some things that I should have kept yeah. in my back pocket. Okay. Um, two truths and a lie. Okay. So first thing is that I was a bodybuilder. Second thing was that I have butchered a duck. And the third thing is that the third thing is that I <laughs> I'm so bad at this. What will be my third thing? My third thing is that I hate watermelon. Okay. So you're a bodybuilder, you've butchered a duck, or that you hate watermelon. Gotta figure out the lie. All right. Hmm. I know you have goats and other animals, you've had them. So, but that does not necessarily mean that you've butchered anything. <laughs> Why I would be such a bad farmer I'd be like, no, they're so cute. Um, but going to culinary school kind of gets you away from having to do that stuff. So <laughs> um, let's see. Bodybuilder hates watermelons or butchered a duck. Okay. Hmm. Is the lie that you hate watermelon? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is the lie. That is the lie. I had to like lean over because my bodybuilding statues are right there. Uh, you know what? I knew there were statues there for those because she's on camera, but I did not, I couldn't tell what they were. I just know yeah. that there's something there. But also, decor wise, nowadays they're figurines. I'm like, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Look at you. But I've not thought that though. But at the same time, I'm like, she kicks ass in anything that she does. I have no problems thinking that she could potentially be like, today, I'm going to start doing this and then just run with it and own it so that's what happened that's what happened because i again like in that really high masculine energy mm -hmm. environment i was like well i i did i did a couple half marathons first but then i was like well if i can do that then i can do this and uh yeah it helped a lot it added again added to that persona of i will kick your teeth down your throat mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you've had to butcher a duck huh i yeah i did a few actually <sighs> Yeah, but then my husband, so we had the ducks for eggs and meat, mm -hmm. but then my husband developed a reaction to the eggs. Hmm. Even when I baked with them, that was the part. I was like, okay, I can't even bake with these eggs. And and they and ducks are so muddy. So I was like, well, you guys just quickly wore out your welcome because they, they were Muscovy ducks. So we could only butcher like twice a year. So we just didn't get enough meat for it for it to be worthwhile to me anymore. And I couldn't cook the eggs. I had to, if I made eggs with them, I had to make my husband separate chicken eggs, which we also have. Mm -hmm. Which also doesn't, it's not a very good production as far as things goes. Mm -mm. No, mm -hmm. it's not. And it's like, and then I have to make two separate things. Meals, like, yeah. Mm -mm. Or heaven forbid you get confused once it's done. You know, like, oh, I gave you the wrong one. Yeah. I swear yeah. I love you, honey. I wasn't trying to kill you. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. And like, so we discovered the baking thing because I cooked, I baked some cookies mm -hmm. and he ate like four of them. And then 10 minutes later had to run to the bathroom. 
eggs. Oh. He was like, did you put dog eggs in those? I was like, yeah, but that shouldn't matter. They cooked at 350 degrees. Like mm-hmm. they're not still duck eggs anymore. They're cookies. Uh, <laughs> and like, I thought it was going to be fine. I have a similar reaction to honey, which is very sad as somebody who loves like, you know, being as close to nature as possible. I can't consume honey without a very extreme reaction. And, but if I bake with it, if I cook with it, it's fine. Hmm. Something about the heat makes it fine. But like, try to put it on something like drizzle it on a salad. You know how people like to do that with summer yeah, yeah. salads. No, nah, that that'll hurt me. That won't be yeah. good. Well, it's the same concept of like when you cook with alcohol, and yeah. you and you you know, you know, fumble it. Um, the alcohol goes away, but there's still right. something within as far as flavor. So the honey definitely does that. There's a cooking process, but people sometimes don't realize that just it's still there's something in the enzymes and in the mm-hmm. dna of the of the eggs to to make it their bad reaction what it is yeah <laughs> i love it when our spouses are more complicated than they need to be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just blame it them that way they really of all the allergies no <laughs> oh goodness but this was good it was a good one and you still had to do that so the watermelon are you one that likes to eat them with the seeds or you do them seedless or do you just you know straight off the melon do you freeze them there's so many things lately that i've been seeing on tiktok with watermelons yeah we just you know summertime we like to cut them up the kids really like them so my husband likes them more than i do um pretty sure that he he's like why what's wrong i was just like oh well you know when i was in elementary school i came in third in a watermelon eating contest so yeah that could mm-hmm. so I mean, maybe you... i don't love them as much, much as i would have if you didn't have to do if that. i hadn't <laughs> done that right like yeah i'm huge on, on uh, texture so i like the flavor so i'll do the lollipops and and some other things and even like ice creams or like the isopops but i can't bite into one <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's a weird, it's interesting texture. And actually that is in part like how I partially, like how I realized I was like, oh, I could do good at this contest because guess what? It's mostly liquid. All you got to do is mash it up. Like, mm-hmm, yep. But then that, yep. Then there's still the context. <laughs> text, yeah. Text on that. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you again for playing that game with me. It's been, it was good. You did good. Even. Thank you. You winged, you winged it a little bit, but you, you did good. You did good. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like because I had things, but then I accidentally said them. Yeah. It happens all the time. You're not the only one, if that makes you feel better. All the time. Yeah. But at least you were able to wing it. I've heard others are like, oh man, I can't make seriously, I don't know you that well. Give me something. Throw something my way. You'll be fine. Oh um, uh, yeah. Yeah. You work with words all day long, whether narrating and also the writing. Um, what's your favorite word? Separate from your favorite curse word, because that's the next side of things. <laughs> okay. My favorite word. Uh I would say my favorite word is probably it's probably any word that I can use that my husband will insist is a made up word. Um <laughs> so one of those is multitudinous. Like my husband dead up looked me in my face and was like, that's a fake word. That's not a word. He's like, you're confusing that with something else. And I was like, no, 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 multitudinous is a word. And he's like, no. And then he looks it up. And it's always satisfying to watch him be like, oh. <laughs> you think he would have learned by now. <laughs> it, I know, but he can't help it. Because like, once he says it, then he's committed. And so I think it often flies out of his mouth without him thinking about who he's talking to. Uh-huh. And then he's like, oh, shit, now I'm committed. 
<laughs> so he's got to see it through. He's like, and I'll make sure that it's, I'm, I'm giving it all my all, you know, even though yes. I know I just fucked up. <laughs> yes, exactly. Can't, so, like, he gets an A for effort every time. That's good, at least. At least there's that. <laughs> so what's your favorite curse word? Curse word. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it's it's just so versatile. I really love the versatility of that word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a noun. It's an adjective. It's a verb. Uh, like it's it it's it, it can be anything you want it to be. Yeah. That's why know? we're friends? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think the like, exact same way. <laughs> it's it's so perfect. Oh, I thought of another favorite word. Can I tell uh-huh. you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Titillating. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, especially especially when we're in a context where I know somebody like like if I'm talking to another romance reader, I know where their brain is gonna go. Yeah. And then like if we're face to face, then they like they'll make a little bit of a face and I'll be like, got you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm using the word properly. So that's the thing is I always use it right, mm-hmm. but I will never miss an opportunity to use the word titillating in a context where I know it's gonna make you think of something that you're gonna then be like, Oh, I thought of something. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing we have in common. I'm that friend that can make anything to a sexual innuendo. So if you were to have busted out with that, I'll be like, she said tiddling. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, I do love that word. And yeah. every time I use it, like as, if I'm commenting on something, I almost always get a comment that's like, haha, you use that word. <laughs> like, yeah, I did. Yeah. So, yeah. A little kid comes out. <laughs> it does. It does. And it's always funny because I just, I have the satisfaction of using it properly right. while still accomplishing this other goal. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's also one of the things I do. Like, I love it when it's like done properly and it's like, dude, it's not my fault that your, your mind went there. I was just properly right. using the word. It's not me. Jeez, jeez. Yeah. Not me being <laughs> planful or anything at all. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but curse words. Yeah. yeah. And, and we use that word a lot in the army. I'm pretty sure yeah. they issued me several fucks when I joined the army and then I left with none of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I learned that quickly. So I was never in the army and nowhere near is this anything as far as close to it. But I did four years of ROTC in high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom was actually shocked that I didn't go into the army afterwards or into any kind of military thing because she's like, you just spent four years. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Doing all this stuff and learning. And, and you're not going to do anything with it. I go, no, for me, it was fun. <laughs> See, I'd be like, mom, four years was enough. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't have to worry about what I was going to wear on certain times of the week, um, you know, and then the, for that and that was done. And I just had to follow the rules because in many cases, that's not the kind of girl that I there were rules. Right. And you knew mm-hmm. how far you, how badly you fucked up by how badly you broke that rule. Uh, yes, <laughs> so, that's a fact. So, yeah. So um, I, th- there was definitely times where we were like, fuck this shit. And we're like, ooh, we're in school. We can't say that. But then the sergeant major was saying it and we're like, mm, it's OK. As long as the principal's right. not around. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, it's just, it's part of the, uh, it's one of those elements of the subculture of like being in the military. And I don't think a lot of people realize that it is in fact, its own subculture. Um, like we have our own traditions and like clothing. Uh, yes. You know, the vast majority of us, we communicate in English, but like our English is different. Like there are things that I've removed from my day-to-day speech uh unless I'm like talking to my husband maybe uh but I had to remove them because I realized like there are certain things that just like you can't say to civilians you can't say those things because then people are like excuse me oh yeah 
I mean, the first time I'm like in in public, I'm like, I need to go to the latrine. Just something like that. And I'm like, they're like, wait, what? I'm like, "Uh, bathroom. I need to go use the restroom. I'll be back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of my favorite ones because I did say it on accident. And then I was like, I need to be careful. And it was after I'd gotten out. Uh, But I was talking and it was when I was a marketing consultant because I got out and then I was a federal contractor, but I was doing the same job, like working with military people as well. So it didn't, it didn't change much except my clothes. Um, But I was talking to some people and I had said, I was talking about like, you know, one of those things where normal people might've said two birds, one stone, which I would also like to point out is incredibly violent. And like, why are you killing wildlife? Um, I said, one shot, one kill. <laughs> you know, but it was like it, the implication was like, you know, we zeroed in on it and knocked these things out, right? Oh, like one yeah. shot per item. And then the, the people, they froze. I thought Zoom froze. No, they froze. And then I was like, oh, I was in the army. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Like people say two birds, one stone all the time. And I was like, you literally are talking about killing birds with rocks. Like, yeah. And you're, you're patting yourself on the back because you got two of them with one rock. Like, yeah, exactly. You're like, I look at, at minimum effort. <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah, so that was that was one phrase where I'm like, and then there are a couple of times where it like rises up and I'm like, no, nope, we're going to say something else. Yeah, it's a, definitely a different, uh, you know, dialect of forms that we all have. And even in the a lot of times we're like, oh, you were you went to culinary school, you went to chef, and they're like automatically thinking Martha Stewart. And I'm going, no, it was a nice mix. There were some chefs that you know when I was in the kitchen that were a little bit like Martha Stewart, and others were like, uh, yeah, like the worst ones and the loudest ones that you've seen on TV. Three times it would make you cry. <laughs> but yeah. we were also like, fuck you, bitch, and throwing the pots right back at them, which is why we worked well together. Uh, <laughs> so. Oh my gosh, like if that that is what we want to see. We don't want it like I don't want to see the king of the kitchen. I want to see when kitchens collide. That's yeah. what I want to see. <laughs> That's literally the title. So somebody do that. Yeah, when kitchens collide. That'd also be a nice book too. None of this little like she likes to bake. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. He that makes would be wine. Such... I'm like, Can no, she imagine? throws pots. <laughs> That would be such a hilarious, like rom-com right? basis, right? Like yeah. they're like, oh my gosh. That yeah, when, they're, when the safe word is duck and it's not because it's being flambéed, it's because she's about to throw something. Um, yes. <laughs> Love it. Like that's, that's the tagline. That's yeah. The tagline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like duck. What? <laughs> yeah. Right. Pants to the face. Yeah. It's like, and that's how I met your dad. Um <laughs> <laughs> So many possibilities, but yeah, it's a, it's definitely different subcultures and what people are comfortable with and knowing your audience. That's the other thing too, is knowing your audience, yep. folks. knowing your audience. Um, so before we go, tell us what you're currently working on that you can share and what's coming up next for you. Okay. So something I am currently working on, I am wrapping up book two in an adult fantasy romance. Well, it's, it's more of an adult fantasy, but there is a romance subplot in the second book of the series. Um, it's called Blazing Sunlight. The first one was called Among Shadows. Um, and it was one of my first books that I got in 2022 when I started poking around for projects. Um, and so I'm wrapping that one up today. And I am starting a book called Summoner's Circle next, which I'm really excited about. Um, this author isn't even on TikTok. An author who is on TikTok and follows me recommended me to this author, which I was just like, oh my gosh, that's so great. 
that like, you know, the brand is spreading and that people like me enough to be willing to recommend me to people who aren't even on the platform is fantastic. So I'm really excited um, about that one. Uh, it's by Coral Alejandra Moore. And the main character is, um, oh my gosh, the main, this made me really happy. The main character, she's Latina and she is also Iranian. And uh, that was really exciting for me. And she's also black. And so that was really exciting for me because I am not Iranian, but uh, I was a translator when I was in the military. And uh, the language that I translated for, plus its dialects, is Persian Farsi, which is what they speak in Iran. So um, and that actually becomes relevant. And I, I messaged the author. I was like, did you know <laughs> that I knew Farsi? And she was like, no. No, I didn't. And I was like, okay, well, this is what we're doing now. This is great. <laughs> so <laughs> So it's really exciting for me just because I, I'm never going to be, despite my proficiency, like, and as I shouldn't be, I'm not going to be cast for an Iranian main character, which makes sense, but it doesn't make me any less happy when I have an opportunity to use uh, those skills. And like, anytime I have the opportunity to use the knowledge from that culture, because I spent 10 years in it, you know, like, uh, as it, as it was part of my work. So it's really nice that it becomes relevant <laughs> on this yeah. project. That's nice. It's good when something in the past can come relevant again. I'm still waiting for the quadratic equation to become relevant, but it has not happened. Um, has not <laughs> happened, but you know, let's hold our breath, or yep. maybe not. Maybe just wait patiently. Yeah, wait patiently, and then I'm okay with if it. And if it doesn't happen, I'm okay with it. That's okay. But they so. drilled it. You know, they they made it sound so important. All, all a lot of stuff in, in high school. They're like, you're gonna use it. I'm like, I'm still waiting. Right. The Pythagorean theorem. The only yep. time I've ever I know that the only time I'm ever going to use that is when I'm teaching my kids how to do it or helping them with their homework because they're using it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, you needed to know the quadratic equation so you could feel less dumb when your kids bring it home for school. Yeah. I mean, the, the, a lot of the geometry stuff, I was like, it really helped with playing billiards. Um. <laughs> right. Yes. OK, so I will say that geometry and physics for games mm -hmm. like that. Very helpful. Yeah. Yes. My mm -hmm. husband was incredibly resentful over how well I did at mini golf over our vacation last month. Oh, yeah. That's every cool. single hole, one shot or two shots. I was done. See, and, I, if they, and if they taught it that way, it would have been significantly, I think, easier for people to pick up, but also more fun, which makes it would learning... have been more interesting. Yes, definitely. Versus the triangle yeah. on the board. I'm like, wait, I could kick ass on billiards by doing this. Yay. Right, right. <laughs> or or position it like, OK, you have to learn this stuff so you can help us figure out all the stuff we still don't have answers to. Because that's how I've, I've, I've come now to realize that like they taught me all that stuff in school, like there were no mysteries left in the world. Mm -hmm. And now though like like we learned newtonian physics right in physics class we learned classic physics but quantum physics is still like theoretical like there's still questions so many questions and it's like well you need to know this side of physics so you can help us answer these questions i would have probably been a lot more interested in physics in school because i'm utterly fascinated by quantum physics from a layperson perspective wow yeah i know i just i am just chock full of all these weird things but i make it work well, hey, it's 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 all about the the uniqueness of us being human, which is why we, you know, it's a it's a good thing. It's definitely a good yes, thing. Yes, agreed, yeah. agreed. Any other titles that you can share with us? Or I know a lot of times you guys, I can't talk, I can't tell you. <laughs> okay, so uh, Cindered Glass by Shalane Johnson is coming up, and I am doing a book with L. M. Drew called Trapped in Reeve. Um, we also have in progress Obsidian Feathers by N. Cassidis. Um, 
And <laughs> the book that people keep sliding my DMs over, when are you going to record this? Throne of Broken Glass by Amber V. Nicole. That's book two in her series. Um, that one's coming up too. Uh, yeah, lots lots of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. And every, like, so I'm, look, I'm looking off to the side. The, you know, listeners for the podcast, you can't see this. But I'm saying, uh, because I'm looking at my calendar. I have a big wall calendar that's here. Um, yeah, so it's just, uh, it's really exciting. Because like I said, all, all of these books are inclusive or their own voices. And it just, it just really makes me so happy to be able to, to be a part of this. Especially because, as we know, in publishing, um, you know, marginalized voices still are very much not represented to the degree that they should be. But when we look and then again, look at it further, looking at audiobooks, they're even less represented there because of the cost that's typically associated with it. Um, and so it just it pleases me greatly to be a part of expanding that representation in the audiobook industry with every single project that I finish is really exciting. It is. Yeah. And I love it, too, that because you also share what you're working on um, on your socials. So it's mm-hmm. always like, okay, well, what, what's she doing next? And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go look there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I'm excited. There's a, a couple of them that I've had on my list. And I'm like, really? When are you going to get done with that? <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, my goodness. Uh, see, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's great to have that connection. But at the same time, I'm going, girl, like, you want me to come over to your house and take, help take care of the kids? Because you know, like, okay, well, oh. summer just summer just finished. Everybody right? started their week where they're fully back, and I'm just like, I can record in the morning and the afternoon now. Yeah. Like, I'm like crushing it. So I'm gonna get through the books a lot faster now. So yeah. you'll feel you'll feel better. Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me today. It's been so much fun. Uh, thank you for having me. I always love talking to you. Yeah, it's always great. It's always fun, which is also why we go so long. Um, it's a fact. <laughs> it's, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Um, if you're not following Ruthie on their social media, we'll include all the lists, uh, the links over at the landing page for this episode at Vivian Enchantress of Books. And until next time, happy listening. Thank you to all of our audiobook loving podcast Patreon. The audiobook loving podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shoutouts, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobookloving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.